0: Everybody, this is Bevan. Welcome to Bevan, a femme over 40 and her friends podcast. I'm your host, Bevan. I've said my name three times. It's time to start the show. Today, I'm welcoming to the virtual porch. Please imagine wicker furniture. Please imagine cozy vibes. Please imagine your favorite childhood blanket curling you up as you hang out with me and my friend, Substantia Jones. She is the creator of the Adipositivity Project. Um, it's basically naked fat people photography. She is. I would call a world famous photographer very well known for her portrayal of fat bodies. And I think you can absolutely tell in a photograph when the photographer loves the bodies that they're photographing. And Substantia Jones is writing a love letter to fat people, one photo at a time. She's composing beautiful images. She's just, she's a delight to work with. So I, so I heard about her in the mid aughts I was like at the time a drag performer um I I was probably living in New York around then but hanging out a lot still in Philly where I I had been living and uh, there was like a time where I was spending three weekends a month in Philly because my partner lived there and we were long distance so I would just drive a lot um anyway so but I was hearing about her like through like my fat queer things I was doing I was going to like conferences and performing at random things I got it It was a fun life. It was a fun life getting to be a drag performer. We went to a lot of cool conferences um, that we wouldn't have otherwise been able to afford to go to because drag is kind of an expensive hobby. Um, And then we got to, like, meet everybody. And so I met a lot of fat organizers. So when you're in crowds like that, this is back when, like, blogs were more of a thing and there was less social media You just kind of, like, heard about things, and people wrote about people, and you kind of got exposed to cool art in new ways, right? It used to be like you had to live someplace really vibrant and artsy. And then eventually, once the internet happened, we got to be more interconnected, and in walks Substantia Jones. So I'd heard about her, um, and then at some point, I got either she reached out to me or I got like some kind of modeling call that she had posted, like people willing to model for her. And I myself had never, I was like probably late twenties and I had never photographed. I remember being nervous about even being in my underwear in a picture and definitely had not yet posed naked. Um, although I would eventually go on to pose naked, um, definitely for substantia and other photographers of just a few and really good ones. Um, Anyway, so she, so I remember, like, she said she liked lace, um, and she liked sheer things, and she liked tattoos, and I had just gotten um, my breakup tattoo. Um, my first uh, engagement that ended, I went out and got, it, oh, it was one of the best decisions I ever made. I took some of my wedding savings account, and I inked it on my shoulder, and it's this beautiful cherry blossom branch, um, and I've actually only ever had one um, tattoo artist, Jason June out of New York City. Um, and Substantia said she liked tattoos and I was like, Great, I have a tattoo. Um, and so I went to her friend's apartment um in the Lower East Side. So I was living in Jersey City. I remember taking the train, um, uh, meeting her there, and I had never met her before. I didn't know her like actually, but I'd heard about her, so I kinda trusted this stranger apartment thing. I don't know, sometimes you gotta go on an adventure. Um, and, and she had emailed, and so I felt like I could trust her, and I showed up, and I had the best time, and I just, I felt my body in a new way, and I, I feel like I felt like I saw myself more as a sculpture, and, uh, and more like its own unique work of art, um, and that was kind of the first time I had ever felt that way, um, and I had, by that time, had some powerful naked fat experiences, so I, like, was really kind of embodied and in community, But what Substantia provides, I had definitely thirsted for as a young person. I didn't see, I mean, I grew up before social media, right? And so I didn't see a naked fat body that looked like mine until I was 22 years old. And I remember where I was, I was at an event and uh, some people were showering just like out in the open. And I was like, oh my God, those bodies look like mine. (laughs) And it was like, I didn't even weep. Because I was so disembodied that I didn't even, like, feel the relief of finally seeing something that looked like me. When you grow up and you feel like you're not like other people or your body is wrong or bad, it's really hard to, like, feel okay in that body. And once you see other people living in and thriving in bodies that look like yours, it is... a different and freeing experience it's like someone else's when someone else's dream comes true it makes it possible for you someone else living into just comfortable freedom right like there's just some basic stuff that you're not experiencing if you're all locked up and tense and stressed about your body all the time and um and seeing people free in a body that looked like mine was really um, a wake up call for me, and what I love is these days now in 2021 I'm an aerobics instructor uh, and I get to repost pictures from my friend Substantia's at a positivity project and she's now been doing this work for like twelve years. Um, the my, one of my favorite projects that she does every year, and I'm so glad she's doing it this year, and you'll hear in this episode about how it almost didn't happen is the Valentine's Project, which is fat people and their partners. Um, of different sizes with them. Some of them naked, some of them not. Um, there's a really hot picture. If you go back in time, I was in the valent. It's so fun to see your dreams come true in these little ways, like... I always was like single and looking at the Valentine's project being like someday I'm going to have a partner who wants to pose with me with add a positivity and like we'll be in the Valentine's shoot. And then some that someday happened and I have to give credit. My ex was rad. I wouldn't have been with her. If she wasn't rad. And she was like totally game for it. When Substantia came to L.A., she's like totally I'll pose with you. She ended up uh, being in her three piece suit. Um, and I was naked, and we had our dog, Um, and it was the cutest family picture we ever took, and I'm naked, and I could never have thought that was possible, except that Substantia did it, and she also included this beautiful lamp that we had that was just so beautiful. Um, I love that lamp. It's like, uh, I miss it, actually, but can't have it in this life. Um, Anyway, so Substantia is an artist. I'm so excited to have her in my life. I'm excited to have you here to meet her because she's just so rad. And also if you're a person in a fat body or you know someone in a fat body, especially right now, I know in COVID times, a lot of people have had a body change and I want to say change because I had a body change too, but like people have a body change into different types of bodies And sometimes you need fat positivity. And sometimes you need an explicitly fat positive space and aesthetic. And Adapositivity.com gives that. And Substantia creates that just by virtue of the art that she creates. So if it's meaningful to you, maybe join her Patreon. Patreon is a membership support site. That helps creators like Substantia and me, I also have a Patreon, create work that's meaningful and useful for folks like you. So, like, if my podcast is valuable to you, for example, um, I'm totally supported by my Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com slash FKDP, Fat Kid Dance Party. Um, at the 2 and $5 a month level, you can join any of my Zoom aerobics classes. I teach Fat Kid Dance Party aerobics for anybody who feels left behind by mainstream fitness. If you've ever been called too fat too much or felt too awkward to dance this is the supportive class for you i believe we all have a fat kid inside of us who felt left out at some time or another and like this is a place to like really reclaim your belonging it's as much a healing as it is a dance class i love it so much and uh free access uh, for anybody at those two levels two dollars and five dollars plus i teach spiritual lessons i'm doing uh one a month for the year uh, to give you kind of 12 of my uh, top 12 spiritual self-care practices, like kind of rituals and things like that, that might help you in developing your spiritual self-care practice. So that's all on the Patreon. And the flagship level, the one that's really sustaining Fat Kid Dance Party, is the on-demand classes. It's the Fat Kid Dance Party live membership. 25 bucks a month, you get on-demand aerobics classes. I keep adding stuff to it. So basically, you're getting a 10-minute, a 20-minute uh a two 55-minute classes, a chair aerobics class, plus a 45-minute canisize size aerobics class, which is aerobics designed for a cannabis experience. Plus, I have some friends who I've substituted Aerobics uh, classes for in the past And we're like doing this swap It's so funny because like we all kind of met each other separately But now we're like this little aerobics network uh, Where we're swapping videos And so my friends Erica Nix And uh, Pony Sweat I have little videos up there So you get like a monthly video from them As long as we're doing this swap It's just a way to kind of like increase value to our members um, By like swapping and giving diversity To the folks that support us Um, anyway, thanks for being part of my underground aerobics club, (laughs) everybody. Um, I love it so much. It really is. The zoom classes have been so much fun. Um, I keep, uh, just looking at the cute class pictures and um and just like putting them over an enchanted forest uh background because i'm trying to like get them for the instagram and the enchanted forest just feels right because like we're in this virtual space together we're all zooming in from these impossible to meet from together places like someone's in australia um usually like these days we have a regular from australia it's wild and amazing to just have people all over the world doing aerobics together fat people just enjoying our bodies and like my work doing faculty dance party aerobics and just all the things i've done in this world have been because other people showed me what was possible and like you know i wouldn't have done dance aerobics if i hadn't been so passionate about it as a kid like richard simmons was i don't actually even really teach that much like him other than unbridled enthusiasm um but um, i actually i take his classes like on dvds i have them all um but like i don't use a lot of his moves because i don't really like him (laughs) But I like dancing and I like being upbeat. So it's like, I'll just dance and just do what I want to do. Um, That's why I started teaching, right? So anyway, um, all of that to say, you can support creative artists. This is such a fun time in life, this age of Aquarius, where we're all on the internet. Um, In the exalted form of Aquarius, we are all at our highest vibration, doing what's on our heart, serving our unique thing to the world, whatever you're uniquely here to bring, right? And like supporting each other doing it. So like having a subscription to like, uh, Patreons and like, just, it's like who you want to win, right? Like different artists, different musicians you like. Um, it's so fun, like how we can just subscribe and just get, to do and nourish ourselves with one another. And like I just think about like coaching industries and how much people really need therapy right now. I just want to normalize therapy, like going to the gym. I feel like for me, therapy is like forever lifetime hygiene <laughs> for my emotions um and my mental health. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Substantia. I just had a ball doing it. Um, it's also up on the YouTube channel, which is self-care party. Um, you can subscribe over there too. Um, and that's up. And I just want to say she looks beautiful. So you might want to check it out at some point. Substantia Jones, uh, you'll just look for that out of positivity on my self-care party page. Um, she's like this like flamey redhead. Anyway, I'm going to stop talking about how much I love her and just turn you over to the porch chat. Substantia, welcome to the podcast! Woo, woo, woo! So yes. good to see you, Bevan. Oh my goodness. It is so refreshing, actually, to see you. And uh, you just look gorgeous today. Like flaming oh. red hair, lit by sun, yes. plants behind you, Big yes. hands. a fat hand picture. Um, <laughs> so, okay, so we're going to, let's start at the top, simply with, I like to do business in the front, so I want to talk about out of positivity. <laughs>
1: everything sounds dirty to me i'm sorry
0: <laughs> as a naked people photographer i'm glad that's your life uh, <laughs> I think you
1: also- it has nothing to do with that it has to do with just you know quarantine quarantine horny
0: quarantine horny oh, it's gonna
1: pop up a lot i'm sure
0: it's real i mean i'm already i was just thinking about this as i was putting my makeup on today that i'm in the longest dry spell of my life um I mean, I really—I had a lot of plans for 2020. Lesbian Jack Kerouac on the road, like <laughs> reigniting some things, setting up some new things. um, Just you know, not happening, and that's okay. Public health is important. Um,
1: so there I will be new- many positive things that will come from this.
0: The Roaring Twenties. I have to say, I like listen. I'm not even that orgy identified, but like. There will be, you know what I mean? I feel like we're going to go back to some sort of like Grecian level hedonism parties galore. I can't wait for the confetti cannons.
1: (laughs) I'm going to be full out Caligula up in here. Come post-pandemic. I'm not into the group thing, but I am definitely ushering in a new era of casual sex.
0: Right, right. Or more. For me i think i think my person's coming so i think my casual sex i never liked casual sex i have to say i tried so hard to like casual sex as a young person because i felt like everyone else was doing it and they were enjoying it and being satisfied by it but for me every time i felt like kind of empty and annoyed and like there's even a couple of times my friend reminded me of this story this week there's a time i started having sex with someone and they put one finger in and i was like is that just one finger and they, or I was like, what are you doing? And they were like, oh, it, it was just one finger. And I was like, you know what? Let's just not. Mostly because I was drunk. And also, I'm honest. And also, I was like, if you're starting with one, I don't think you can handle me. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, I just, I just that was my, my thought process. And so I just ended it. I'm very good at knowing when I don't like something and expressing that. So, anyway, that's- I'm
1: just, um, I, 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 I'm afraid to try to understand that question. I'm thinking it's maybe you weren't, uh, naturally lubricated enough by this person, you know, and it's not, it's not a, like, I have, I have learned since, and I hate to say coming out as queer, but, you know, it is coming uh, up. It's uh, yeah, but I, that makes it sound like I was in the closet, and I never was all my life. Anybody who'd ask, I would say I'm mostly hetero, mm. um, which was true. I love that little noise. But, but wait, I was about to. Before we move on from the casual sex thing, I have to share with you a very valuable lesson that's that a young person taught me I was having dinner in New Zealand with this much younger person and she was Polly. and I noted to her that I could never do that because I'm not into casual sex uh, because I'm so afraid of accidentally falling in love with whomever's giving me orgasms because that's what I do and I don't want to fall in love with somebody that I don't like or isn't isn't really suitable for me and she said well let's break it down which is what I always do to other people but you know it was turned around on me she said what carry it through to its conclusion what's so bad about falling in love with somebody who's not then going to be your partner let's say it even ends you have ended something with somebody that you're in love with and it's going to sting a little but is that really worth not pursuing something that you are drawn to she said I fall in love in and out of love with people all the time and it's not that bad you you know you get a lot of positivity from that and i thought damn youngster you have taught me something i don't know that i can put it into practice and at that time i was still mostly hetero so i did not put it into practice but now that i am exclusively dating women it's so casual sex is so much uh easier it's so much better um you know, so I'm, I'm going in with that mindset. Yes. You know, you're going to catch feelings for somebody who is not really, uh, compatible in a relationship way with you, but what's the problem? Maybe you the
0: know, feelings are like the elixir of life. I love being in love.
1: Um, me too. Oh I my really God. Love God. I love, uh, you know, and I, I always hear from people when I say this people, for whom you know people they believe that relationships are not for them but I love romantic love it's really um someone misquoted me once saying romantic love makes the world go round they cut out an important piece uh, of that but you know I don't really I, be, piece. I don't I don't recall, but it was it was vital. It was pivotal. But now I've heard the wrong way more than the right way. That it kind of makes sense for me. For me, I love love. I love being in a relationship. Um, I like to think I'm good at it. Um, and also because I'm a hundred years old, I've learned a lot of lessons about what I want, what I don't want, and how to do it right. You know, there's a one time when I was married to a man, Um, we had a period where we were down to one vehicle, one vehicle was in the shop or something. So a few days there, I would take him to work every morning ungodly early, nobody's happy at this hour. And he was always grumpy at that, you know, early hour. And we would pass this every day, the same beautiful field, the sun was coming up and it was just gorgeous. And I would say, look at that. Isn't that gorgeous? It's going to be a beautiful day. And he would like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One morning I was in a particularly bad mood. And when we passed that field, he said, look at that. Isn't that gorgeous? And I thought, this is how it's done. Yes. You fill in the blanks. We all have nubs and voids. And, you, you know, you, you want to come together, you want your nubs to fit into other people's voids. See, I'm sorry, everything's dirty to me. But um, <laughs> I mean, that was that was straight up dirty. But that's what we want. That's what we should look for. Um, and I, you know, I say this as a fully single person right now during COVID going through it alone. And not having, you know, sex in, in many months and it's, wow, it's, it's unpleasant, but I also feel so hopeful. I'm always very, very hopeful and I've been lucky all my life in that regard. So I guess I, I never, you know, I don't fear rejection. I don't fear, I don't fear much.
0: That's fantastic. Um, I'd love that story about how you filled in the gaps because I really think I've been reading a lot of marriage books as like a way of kind of learning my way through my breakup and growing because I don't like to repeat patterns I like to solve things you know um, Mm -hmm. and grow and uh, really looking at like how an ideal uh, partnership I think in any situation whether it be romantic or not but an ideal partnership like you fill in the gaps for each other and like you can't both be bummed on the same day then you spiral together. But if yeah. you can like rise up and notice your partner's like bummed and rise up and out of your circumstances and like be the light and bring the hope, that's ideal, right? Like, anyway, so. And
1: know that every day is going to be different. You can't, uh, you know, you can't rely on, I can't, you can't plan to be an 80% you know, an 80, 10 relationship every day, the next day it's going to be flipped. It's always going to be different. And yes, some days you are both going to be bummed Yeah. on the same day. And you know, yeah. you just got to sit that one out, I guess.
0: Yeah. You're going to figure out how to make it work and also not let their bummed make you bummed because yes, that's the real that. I mean, the real hack of life is to become a thermostat, not a thermometer. And just like, Handle your internal business and not let it I get should
1: be writing all this down.
0: Well, that's a podcast, so you could. I mean,
1: oh, beautiful! <laughs> How convenient,
0: isn't it? Um, <laughs> we had, I mean, just so the listeners know, we had a great conversation beforehand, as usual, great <laughs> right, pre podcast, and I'm like, ah, we should be recording this.
1: I come in right out of the gate, coming in hot always.
0: I love coming in hot. I'm glad we're (laughs) talking about sex and relationships and and honestly coming out, like what was, you said something interesting to me the first time we talked after you started sleeping exclusively with women. And you said like there was a, a thing about casual sex with men where the fear never really went away. And I have thought about that so much about how truly like as women, many of us are survivors. Um, and many of us have had like dangerous experiences with men or no reason to trust them. Yeah. Um, and I will
1: to say, I want to say the fear never goes away. I think by the time you've chosen a partner, uh, a male partner and you know, you're in it, you're no longer afraid with that person, but there's a lot of, you know, when you're dating, mm-hmm. uh, and searching there's, yeah, you never really let go of a fear because you feel like. I don't, I'm not going to really know you for a long, long time and maybe never. And there's always a chance. And I think it's a a very universal thing for hetero women to, you know, let their friends know where they're going to be. And the first time you're alone with a man, this is the address. And here's everything I know about him. Here's his, his, you know, middle name and his mom's maiden name. And, you know, because there's always a slight little thing in the back of your head that's, you know, like, ah! but with women, and I've been told I should not relax in this way, but with women, I just don't feel that. I haven't, even though I love, you know, very, I mean, I'm, you know, specifically attracted to very masculine, butch women. um I just don't feel that, you know, I don't feel that, even though I I do sort of eschew the the um the artifice the macho artifice i'm not i i'm not looking for that and i i generally don't like that when i see it i like a sort of a a naturally masculine butch woman who is is uh you know being themselves and not putting on you know i mean i like a dapper thing every now and then but otherwise not putting it on and i've I've not once felt fearful or physically intimidated or anything like that. I hope that lasts. I hope I don't ever learn that lesson I'm told is coming.
0: Oh my God. Well, I'm not, I'm going to speak positivity over it and say, because you came out so late in life and you have liberated so many people that you're not going to have to learn that lesson. I'm just going to, but we all know. And I just want to acknowledge, like for anyone listening, like There, sexual assault comes from all genders. Um, It's just primarily from like men and males because they're it's rape culture and they're taught that they can just have whatever. It is,
1: and anybody who's who is um, intimidated by us saying that, you know, it doesn't have to be 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 a natural, innate thing in you. It's because we live in a patriarchy which excuses this behavior, which promotes this behavior. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean anybody can see that i don't care how republican you are you could see that that's where we live and that's what's guiding these sort of interactions so yeah it's it's not you it's you <laughs> it's not you it's all of y'all
0: oh my god and also it's interesting i'm reading this really interesting book i'm like i'm, I'm looking to see if i can grab it but um it's called safe people um and it's really Uh, interesting to see how much uh, we can grow because like I read it and I read all these ways that like I kind of used to be very unsafe Um, but it was mostly because I felt unsafe and I didn't know how to like be in the world and I had to grow and learn and learn how to trust and learn how to just have a different way of interacting with people and like most of people who are like unsafe people are just really traumatized people who are unhealed so I don't know
1: No, that's fascinating. Or who feel the need to test you um, and, you know, because they don't maybe feel worthy of being loved. So they are constantly testing your love.
0: Oh, or that. Yeah. Or some people just feel at home in chaos. And so they want to create chaos and like,
1: oh my goodness,
0: is like life is going to life at you no matter what, like people are going to die. Tragedy will beset you. Life will create your chaos that you're meant to have. So I'm going to take no extra chaos and sleep more.
1: Oh, that's that's the way I like it. Not a fan of the chaos. No. De- definitely not added chaos.
0: No. You don't need it. I, I, and a lot of people stir shit up. I, I, I've been noticing, like, it's not like my pandemic is boring. I keep myself very, like, busy and doing things, but, like, I was noticing, I was like, I think if I were a different version of myself, I'd be causing a lot of interpersonal drama right now just to have something to talk about. Um, so instead I talk about, like, big thing humanity changing the world
1: it's a time to fuel ourselves you know to um to decompress and to learn and to grow and to change if change is needed Mm -hmm. so yeah i'm i think we're going to be better when we come out of this and i hope that we keep some trends like zoom i love uh, i've had some zoom dates and i think it's great idea why weren't we doing this before like first a first couple of dates i think is is great to do by zoom it it, you know saves you from having to put on pants and um you know be in a in a tense situation it makes it a lot less tense yeah and
0: (laughs) one time i took there was this person i met online once when i was still living in new york and we were like, you know, going back and forth. And I was, I was very busy then living in New York, doing a lot of careers. And um, I was like, you know what, if you can meet me somewhere where I only have to take one bus, <laughs> <laughs> no. <Right now. laughs> I was like, we can meet right now at a bar. And so we did. I, and it was, it was a good first date, but I, I think it would have been better on Zoom. And the second, by the second date, when she said, she said this to me, I don't believe in astrology. That was my moment. That was my one finger moment. I was like, this is over, we can't do this anymore.
1: It's the opposite with me when they ask me, you know, about stars and the universe and stuff. I'm like, I, if you're joking, we can deal with this, but you know, you have to appreciate that. I don't, I, I don't, I'm not an appreciator. And I have a dear friend who's so into that. You just can't imagine. Yeah, um, And we joke about, we're able to joke about our differences, you know, but, but yeah, I, when I was dating more often, you know, pre-pandemic, I knew every coffee place within walking distance of my house, but, but that would not uh, indicate to them where exactly I lived when I walked out, um, because yeah, the, yeah, it's hard. People don't understand to live in New York City. You have to really want to live in New York City. Yes, you do. It's not a casual thing because there are a lot of challenges and it's not so easy in many regards. It's, you know, very, very difficult. But um, so, yeah, you have to appreciate I get that one bus thing. Yeah, I'm with you there.
0: <laughs> it's so specifically New York. Um, so, Stacia, you've lived in New York for like 30 years? Uh,
1: more than 20, like
0: 20 20- <laughs> four years are you the kind of new yorker who has lived in the same apartment for a very long time
1: um my first two and a half years i lived with my then fiance in the village and then i moved from there into this apartment in 99 yes (laughs) we get very attached to um i mean i'm lucky i have a good situation here but we do, we get, it's a, it's a hardship to move. You get your neighborhood becomes your world. And uh, we get attached to, like, I think somebody needs to write about the views, about our views out our windows and how proprietary we are and how we fall in love. We have affection for our view that someone else would walk in and say, it's too bad about the view. But to us, it's, it's like you've insulted my child. You know, that's my view. You don't understand, you know, that, that water tower says hello to me every morning. This is, you know, but yeah, New York stuff.
0: New York stuff. And you're, you're in Manhattan, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to go too specific about where you live, but I feel like, like, <laughs> borough specific sort of lifestyles um that are endearing and beautiful i saw a good quote about new yorkers yesterday where it's like you know you're a new yorker when you look at a view and you can see how it used to be um
1: oh yes
0: right
1: and i'm like everything is morphing constantly and when i first moved here we still had some grit left and i love gritty i love gritty and we you know i lived in the village where there was still some old, old, you know, 90, 100-year-old businesses and lots of gritty places that you don't know how they survive. And, and that's all, you know, we've gotten so homogenized now um, mm-hmm. that in order for a, a small old business to survive, you know, they own the building. Otherwise they would not still be there. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've been, um, I will out, one aspect of where I live, I live near the new section of the second avenue subway. And that changed this whole area so much that it has it it killed a lot of the mom and pop uh businesses that lived along the construction areas because they just couldn't stay alive. People couldn't even see them and or get to them often. And it killed them and it brought in a new crop of gentrifiers. And many of those people, many of the gentrifiers have already been priced out of the area because of the subway. The pro, you know, the new subway is so desirable. All rents went up in this area and it brought in all, you know, a lot more uppity uh, businesses and um, things that, you know, don't necessarily speak to me. Um, and it's unfortunate, you know, so no more grit, definitely no more grit. We used to have car places. This is how you know you've been gentrified is there are no more car repair shops or locksmiths or gas stations or, you know, lube shops. They're, they're all, when I first moved there we had billiards and lube shops, you know, now that's no more. Oh,
0: that's so real. Watching yeah. change in New York is actually sort of heartbreaking, but like also so with life. Um. Like everything changes all the time, and like, it
1: does, and this is this is hopefully another way that we will improve from the pandemic. Because I'm I'm hearing about a lot of people moving to where they've always wanted to live in New York because the rents are so low right now, and they're getting good deals even long term. So it's bringing people who should be here to the area. I worked for a lot of years in nonprofit and I worked with a lot of young people who moved from elsewhere here as a young person straight out of college. And almost every one of them was being at least partially subsidized by their wealthy parents back home. Yeah. And I thought, this isn't good for the city. You know, I, I mean, I, I like you. But this isn't really good for the city because do we really wanna be a community of people from wealth? No. Do we really wanna be a community of stores that you'd see at the mall? You know, do we want to live a chain business existence? I don't. I miss I miss the gritty old New York. Um, but you know, what are you gonna do?
0: Um, the gritty old New York. We'll live forever in our little brains. And I think New York will keep morphing. I think this is actually great. I love hearing that you're, you know, people who are finding their dream places to live. I know a lot of people who have left New York for their dream places, right, which are somewhere else. Um, and so it's like, I think in many ways, it's like an interesting um, shakeout of what's going on. Yeah. My hope is that we will get a new deal in some way. Not like I'm not, I'm never counting on the government to solve anything, but like some Mm -hmm. situation where like we have a renaissance and a resurgence of funding for things that only improve everybody, right? Like there's still so much great architecture from the old new deal and great art from the old new deal. So like, anyway, I'm hopeful that there can be a resurgence of small businesses because another
1: another WPA maybe maybe I think that would be great to give um you know to put artists to work making art yes people who've really been suffering through this who've lost their income uh performers especially you know I mean we need they need help
0: yeah and speaking of art you are like one of my favorite artists <laughs> we haven't even talked uh, about your art yet um, so you, okay. How long has the Add a positivity project been going on now?
1: Since 07. So I guess in June, it'll be 14 years,
0: 14 years old. She's a teenager. Uh... <laughs>
1: it's the longest I've ever done anything. That's no great. relationships, no jobs. No. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't have a lot of <laughs> intuitiveness, but I've, and I've, almost quit more than once
0: what kept you coming back to it i think these are good things to help inspire um
1: two things one is i get so much response from people who tell me very earnest stories about what the project has meant for them Mm -hmm. and they tell me things they've educated me in um, in how bad it can get, they because they've lived things that I never have. Uh, I you know I don't think I've been as negatively affected by my fat body as a lot of people have. So I've learned from the people who write to me how bad it can be. Um, you know I mean this one poor woman that I quote all the time. Uh, oh, I taste like Alka Seltzer. Sorry. I hope that's not visible. She she wrote to me once and said I've just looked at all your images and I'm writing to thank you today is the first day in memory that I've not cried about my body and I thought wow you know I'm a child of diet culture and I did the roller coaster for many years but I never I I never cried about my body so I I'm I'm doing it for those people who write to me. The other reason that I came back to it when I was about to quit about five years in, I was about to quit because it just got to be too much. It was more than I could handle. Um, Too many people wanted to be photographed and it was like, it's just so much. And uh, an adiposer said to me, I told her, you know, you might be my last one. And she said, just make it manageable for you change it to be manageable for you rather than quitting and if it's still not manageable then change it more or then you can quit but first you know tinker and see if you can make it something you want to stay with and today that's advice I give to so many people and because it was excellent advice and it's the reason I'm still here what 14 years later
0: yeah totally um that's fantastic advice actually it's something I implement all the time with myself like I I was someone has a very similar there's very few people who do what I do but someone has a similar sort of gig that they do um and I uh she was talking about a team meeting she had and I saw her team and I was like oh you've got five people doing this with you I have just me (laughs) and like and it's really and then I whenever I remember like oh, it's just me and I could do a lot of things if I had a team and I don't have a team. So what are we going to do that I can do and follow through on? Because I think that's the most important thing.
1: Yeah, make it workable. If it doesn't work, you know, it first try, or as we, as we say in the South, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, you know, make it, you know, see what's salvageable. <laughs> the baby is salvageable.
0: Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And the baby is like kind of the inherent thing. Like the adipositivity body of work is so phenomenal. I have to say like, I didn't see a naked fat body until I was 21 years old. Mm. Um, My whole life growing up. I mean, that's being a child of diet culture, right? Like your body um, is never shown to you in a positive light and certainly not um, sexualized, um, which I experienced, honestly, I think is a form of sexual trauma, like to never understand and appreciate my body in a sexual way or to feel like my body was desirable Um, and not that smart that's so smart yes you're right that is so smart yeah and so I had to work through that trauma and like naked fat people are not inherently sexual naked nudity is just bodies right like our bodies are literally naturally just that way right this is shame and um and crude culture honestly teaching us not to see naked bodies but like, I think the art of fat bodies is so beautiful and fat bodies are so diverse. Like the, it's so fun that like, you can be the same size as someone and then have a completely different looking naked body. And, yes. and how cool that is and how cool it is to see yourself represented like your hanging belly and your floppy boobs and like whatever you got your rolls and- Yes. You know, it's so- yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I think that you're such a good artist to do what you do because you sincerely love your subjects um I do. I am one yeah you are one and um what my favorite thing you said the first time I posed for you I think it was in 2008 um it might have been it might have even been late 2007 but I think it was 2008 um but like I remember I was still living in Jersey City um, and I came into the city and you had told me like things that you liked to take pictures of and I like met you in this Lower East Side apartment um, and I was like still like in the process of, I was loving myself, but I was still in the process of uncovering love for my body and it just like, it was so nice to get photographed and just be art for somebody and like be appreciated and and you photographed, how many people, how many adiposers do you think you've had so far?
1: Um, there are over 800 images, but a lot of people are repeat adiposers. So I don't really know, but hundreds of adiposers.
0: That's amazing. Um, have you been doing any photography in the pandemic or you're just.
1: Um, I haven't none. Zero zilch. I, and it's a complicated uh, and unfortunate answer, but um I, I haven't, there are, I wrestle with it every day about whether the risk is worth it, especially now that the end is in sight. There've been times where I feel foolish for not doing this particular shoot that, you know, is within walking distance and we can all stay uh, apart, but it's still, I still can't help thinking if I get it, it'll kill me. I'll be really embarrassed when I'm dead, you know, that I took this risk. (laughs) Um, So every day I, I do wrestle with it. Um, I just, I don't really know how much risk is acceptable for me. And I err on the chicken shit side.
0: I'm glad. So I,
1: I've not done, in fact, next month, it'll be a year since I've done a shoot. And uh, they, when the cal- when it t- came time to put together the calendar, I thought, oh, what do I do? I can't do this. I'm not going to do it. We're just not going to have a calendar this year. I'm not the only one who's not doing something, you know, because of COVID. And um, my dear friend, fat activist, Kat Pauze, she said, we have a regular, I call it our cat call. We have a a cat call once a month on zoom. And she said, Oh, no, you can't. She's very, you know, a uh, much a cheerleader. She doesn't really chastise me about much. But she said, you can't do that. No, you've got to make a calendar. Let's let's figure this out. You can't No, you can't not make a calendar this year. And I said, Yeah, but she said, no, 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 here, you can do it this way or this way or this way or this way. So I did. I went back through a bunch of old shoots and pulled up some also rans, which intellectually I knew I had because there are times where I'll get home from a shoot and I have an embarrassment of riches and in, in what I've gotten and I only use, you know, one or two of the images. So I knew if I went back through images, I would find. So, so you would think that would produce an inferior calendar, but I was actually quite pleased with it now i'm doing the same thing with the um with the valentine series i'm
0: so excited for the valentine series this is my i should have
1: asked you when this drops um because oh, the
0: val- valentine's day
1: okay yeah. well then you should be able to go to the add a positivity project and see this year's valentine series which hopefully uh it's not yet put to bed because there's so much involved in pulling up old, you know, photos, you have to get in touch with, if it's, you know, it's, it's very complicated and it relies on people getting back to you who are not ever going to get back to you. But, um, you know, I, I thought, oh, this is going to suck. I'm going to do it, but it'll suck and it's not sucking. So that makes me happy. And, uh, you know, I look forward to the response because the response is always the thing for me. It's, um, you know, it makes a lot of people happy to see fat love, to see fat people with their partners of all sizes, all genders. Um, so I'm glad. I'm glad we're here. I'll That's be gladder cool. when it's completely ready. But you know,
0: I'm. I, I have to say, I was super excited. Um, I re- I reached out to you nowish because of the Add a Positivity Valentine series, which like I, I'm crying a little <laughs> glad bit. Glad it's happening. <laughs> Every year it's, I'm glad it's happening too. I didn't, it did never occur <laughs> to me that it wouldn't happen. So that's why uh, <laughs> you surround yourself with bossy friends who are like, no, no, you're going to do the calendar. You you,
1: have, you of- have more faith in me than I have in but, myself, but that, fortunately but that, it was happening.
0: I mean, that's why you have a wealth of friends, right? Because like you have to sometimes borrow other people's faith in you, borrow other people's perspective. You're always too close to your own trees to see the forest. Um, but Another- like-
1: I should be writing this down.
0: Listen, you can listen to the podcast, write it all down. Oh, I love it. (laughs) But it's true. Like I have been present in your circle through many times when people have, not many times, but a, a handful of times where people have stepped in and been like, no bitch, get a Patreon right? Like, no, get a new camera, fundraise for it. We love you. We want this to happen, right? Like, and so like, I love that your friend Kat is like, no, bitch, you're going to do a calendar. And like, I don't know who told you, no, bitch, you're going to do the Valentine's series. But I knew you had an embarrassment of riches. Like, this is the best part about being an artist over a long period of time and having a content bank is like, I re- I'm going back and doing content from like, years ago that I never posted because like I was just so busy that like moving from place to place never integrating never resting like there's so yeah. much that like we have to harvest that I think this time is enabling us to do and
1: then- I think I think the reason I did go ahead with the Valentine series is because is because Cat Pause no bitched me <laughs> about the calendar so I knew I was better aware that it was possible to pull it out, and and I did. I I do feel like I've pulled this out of my ass. But um, but going back and seeing all these images and thinking, why didn't I use this before? Why didn't I get back to this shoot and pull more images? Because some of them are just great, and it's putting together the the Valentine's series always makes me smile because I'm. I'm I'm looking at lovers. I'm looking at love, the embodiment of romantic love, sexual love. Mm-hmm. And it, it you know, this is something I I adore. So it's it always makes me happy to look at their faces and look at their contact and uh remember how much fun they had, how much fun we had shooting it and uh so <sighs>
0: To say like as someone who like there was a lot of so my last relationship was like six years and i hit a lot of milestones in that relationship that i'm still very proud of and excited about including being one of the couples in the out of positivity valentine series like um you took my very favorite um family portrait we ever took where i'm naked <laughs> My ex is in a, a three-piece suit, uh, looking real hot. Uh, so dapper,
1: so hot. dapper,
0: right? So dapper. And, like it wouldn't have been with her that long if she hadn't like hit my button so anyway. And then <laughs> I had my dog with me, and it was just adorable. The dog is like hiding my nakedness, um, and like and it's just a hot, adorable, like very us picture with like our favorite lamps, and like and it's such a beautiful like encapsulation of my life at that time, right in 2016 or whenever that was um and that was
1: the day that I discovered uh you had glitter on your step ladder and I thought this is so fucking Bevan to have glitter on your step ladder
0: so I had to take a
1: picture of that too
0: I mean thank you for noticing that also (laughs) I want to say this for any of your friends who are listening if you have Substantia at your house just let her go ham on like your displays and your tchotchkes because you designed my tchotchke display in a way that was totally aesthetically appealing <laughs> and then lived out the rest of the days in that house like exactly as you set it up and like i don't have an eye for design the way you do and like i appreciated that moment i
1: do i tell people i said I'm going to fucking trash your house and leave it that way.
0: Uh-huh. You just have to accept.
1: And it's not even an intentional thing. It's like after the shoot, it never even occurs to me to help you move the furniture back. Uh-huh. You know, I'm like so focused on what I'm doing. Then later I think, well, that was really rude. So now I just tell people up front, I'm, I'm just going to leave after we're done and yeah. let you deal with it.
0: In a perfect world,
1: or in the case of Valentine's series, I know people fuck first oh. and then deal with it. I know people are having sex after I leave because I can feel it. I can feel it building while I'm there, you know, very often. So yeah, fuck, <laughs> then clean up, which oh should, should always be the rule.
0: It should always be the rule. I wish I could say that happened to me after my couple shoot. I don't, I'm pretty sure we did not. <laughs> oh, sorry it's all right it's over now
1: because the pooch was hiding your parts
0: yeah I think I think uh you know next time I have a partner and you shoot us I'll make sure to fuck after okay um (laughs) (laughs) um but I just I want to plug this too like I think it's super it's medicine for people to see their bodies being loved and appreciated and desired and this project, like the Add-A-Positivity project as a whole is just such a like incredible body of work. Um, I love just, I post it all the time on the Facky Dance Party Instagram stories just because I'm like, I want you to see your body. I want you to see what your body can look like when it's loved and when it's free and when it's adored, right? And like working with you as a photographer, I feel like you're so, you're almost like a sculptor. In many ways, like every photographer is different, but you're really different in this great way where like, you know what you want. And like, you just kind of keep tweaking and keep tweaking until you get the shot. And I love that. Well,
1: I've lived in a fat body for so long. I know what I want and I know, um, you know, I, I want to show you what I see that you may not have ever seen. Yeah. And, uh, so I like, I like to show that to people who are sometimes surprised
0: which I think is like part of the process of unfolding your desirability and and honestly a part of the process of hatching all those eggs of the things that taught you that you weren't desirable or awesome or or worthy of love in the first place yes so when you you started out of positivity and you were a radio host and you've done so many things like what um, are you hoping that your legacy is like, what do you hope that people remember about you in the world?
1: Um, Oh, that's a good one. I I've been thinking about my mortality over the last year. Um, and, uh, not a fun thing for me to ponder. I never get to the part where, what will I be remembered for? Mm. Uh, I'm mostly, uh, preoccupied with protecting what I've done uh, from people who might not appreciate it or might not use it in a way that I would want them to. Mm. So naturally, I hope that people who've been helped by the Positivity Project remember me for that. And, um, and then, you know, friends will have a lot of wacky stories (laughs) that I wouldn't want told unless and until I'm dead.
0: Oh, I I,
1: I do, I do hope that people, um, think of me when they think of how much better they feel about their fat body than they did, uh, 15, 20 years ago.
0: Yeah. Do you think that you want to have a book? Yes.
1: Yes. The the short answer is yes. Uh Um, the longer answer is, oh, hell yes. And if I to be honest, if I knew nuts and bolts wise how to put together a photo book uh, proposal, I might be farther along. But you know, anybody will help you put together a book proposal, but a photo book proposal is is a bit different. is quite a bit different, and you can't really go to regular publishers um, for this. So. I desperately want a book somebody last night told me I should have a magazine I I want a book I want to do it once and then you know not have to do it again but I definitely want a book and I had I have had publishers uh pie in the sky me um and one long ago said and they would be a wonderful appropriate publisher for this and they said if you add text to this we will publish it and I said yeah I don't I don't want to do that now since I've, I've realized oh yeah I need I need some text there's some things I want to say with words rather than images so yes I need some text but also now I think maybe I can do better than that publisher (laughs) um I have a dream publisher and uh so you know once I figure out how to put together uh I have to figure out how to put together a photo book proposal then I have to this is the bigger one I have to fucking do it um and that's you know that's a whole nother thing but soon soon
0: I mean, I'll say this, this is my wish for you. I want the publisher to come and find you and make it easy for you so that you just get to be the genius and show up.
1: I used to, this used to be my method. I would never seek out anything and I am a pretty ambitionless person anyway. But my, my method for everything, for romance, for career, for everything is just, I'm just gonna sit on the couch and wait till it falls into my lap. And unfortunately, a lot of things did fall into my lap. So it reinforced that MO. Mm -hmm. um that doesn't happen so much anymore and i've never even heard of it happening with publishing um or actually it does happen with publishing quite a bit but uh it hasn't happened yet not with um not with a publisher that i would want to work with i figure why not start at the top and work your way down you know
0: yeah I'll say this, um, if every single person who's listening to this podcast right now goes and follows you on the Twitter, on the Instagrams, on the Facebooks, on, on all the things, then that only shows a viability of an audience to potential publishers. So if this is a book you want, following is the least of your-, your you're
1: Absolutely, You're absolutely right. Now, I don't even know what you see if you go to my Twitter account now, because I've been banned since December 1st.
0: It's still on your email signature. You should take it off.
1: I know, I know. Well, I'm ho- I'm on my second appeal with them, so I'm I'm hoping it's temporary. But it's been like two months now, so it might be permanent. We'll see. And I'm I'm still shadow banned on uh, Instagram, but I'm I'm on my second appeal with them too. So we'll see.
0: I'll say this, you still come up at the top of my feed on Instagram because I share and like your shit so much. So thank
1: you. Thank you, Bevan. yeah, that's how you do it. Share and like, share and like. And that's yeah, that's that's how you keep me there for one thing. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I also-
0: I just find this also fascinating too. Like, my cat has an account, and so my cat shares and likes things, right? And I always like my own posts. And I noticed I didn't do it on one post, and then my shit did not show up at the top of the feed the next time I logged into my cat account. And I was like, that's wild. One time I didn't like something, and it's just because I didn't bother, right? So, it's
1: so complicated. You know, what just occurred to me, Bevan, is when I first went to Instagram, I was a late adopter because of some of their policies. And you told me, find a bunch of hashtags that you like or create a bunch of hashtags that you like, up to 30, use them every time. Well, I just found out that at least when you're shadow banned, um, that's one of the things that happens is your stuff doesn't not come up when people you know are following that hashtag or look up that hashtag um and often it happens if you use the the same hashtag over and over again so it's a mess they all hate me they love hate me like one time when I first went to Instagram like I'd been there for a few months and I guess when you go from zero to a whole bunch in a short time, they look and see what's going on. And they contacted me and they said, we would like to pay you for an interview wherein you tell us how we can improve Instagram because we recognize you as a community leader. I thought, oh, this is gonna be a lovely harmonious relationship. Not so much. I mean, that happened. They did pay me for the interview and it was great. Um. But uh, yeah, they constantly delete my stuff. The last thing that was deleted, they said it was because I was, um, it was, they deleted it for sexual solicitation. And the part, the bits were covered up that they, the bits they don't like, the bits that scare the patriarchy, and oh. I was all covered up. Nothing about it was, you know, and Twitter to Twitter blocked me for hate speech. I said, this is what I spend my life working against. Nobody pays me to do this. You know, this is, I'm devoted to working against hate speech. Do you see how stupid this is, what you've done? But, you know, it was, this often happens at calendar season, when the haters know, I need social media right now. Mm. Um, they go crazy reporting me. And this, both Both of those happened in the same day. Twitter and Instagram happened in the same day. So I know they get, and I don't know if you've heard, but now Facebook, in their effort to cut down on bullying, they're giving you warnings for using the word fat. I got my first one the other day and I said, what is this fresh hell? And I posted about it and other people are saying, yes, they, they are now giving warnings or even deleting. And they again in this warning they say uh, this is similar to uh, you know things that we don't allow because of bullying do you want to you know keep it ignore this or delete it um, and I said, you know fuck no I'm I, I'm gonna keep on saying the word fat and people are saying maybe you should just adjust it and use the asterisk. No, we fought, we fought to queerize this word. Yes. You know, and it is a morally neutral descriptor. I'm not not using it because Zuckerberg is afraid of it, you know. And if you think it's sometimes used as a pejorative, it's because it is. And if you just do your fucking job and sort it out you know, then we wouldn't have this problem, but they better damn well not make me stop using the word fat.
0: This is, you know, this this is
1: my last platform.
0: I know, I feel like the, um, here's what, do you have an email list?
1: Oh, Bevan, I have, I have one that I finally started a few months ago, but I did not choose wisely the platform and because I'm try, I was trying to find someone who's going to be the least uh, problematic with nudity. Yeah. And I chose a very common one because it was recommended to me and it turns out they're just not really that compatible with Gmail addresses. So, uh, which is most people. So people aren't really getting your email. So I have, I don't know what to do about it.
0: Um, I, might, I use, might start
1: over again somewhere else.
0: I don't know if you use MailChimp. Was it MailChimp? Yeah. Uh, well, MailChimp seems to work for me. I get a 20% open rate, which is pretty good for an email list.
1: Is it? Maybe I'm just asking too much. Maybe I'm just ignorant about, you know, what I should expect.
0: I think here's what. This is what the, the theory that's working for me right now in algorithm land, which, you know, I, I'm kind of just living just over broke. So we'll say what what is success, right? But um, what's working for me is focusing on my true fans. My true fans are the people who like all my Instagram posts, who watch my Instagram stories, who open my emails, who show up to my aerobics classes, right? Like they're people who are, who listen to the podcast, who are like showing up and learning what I have to do and like care about me and care about what I say. Right. So I think it's really like for you, your project has a global scope and is globally like helpful for people. Right. And you can focus on your true fans and just keep them tied in. Cause there's a lot of people who will always be casual about it and be the social media scrollers. But like, since the social media platforms aren't being a place where we can really have community, you know, as a fat person or a sex positive person, like it is almost impossible to have community and sustain it through only social media, because I think they're so negative about those things. And because it, because it challenges the patriarchy and, those platforms are all owned by men and run by men you know and so i think like there's there are ways like the email list is kind of the best way to own your connection to your audience even though it is also through platforms um but like i know
1: i know i need to do that and i know i need to pay much closer attention to all of that it's just so not in me to do that
0: well at least you did the valentine's project how's that i'm glad you're still Yes, right? I know whatever.
1: you're very good at that and I've had very smart people tell me the same stuff and I'm just like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can't, you don't know me. You know, I'm not, I'm just not ever going to be smart or uh, industrious about any of that, even though I know it's true. Now, when I'm, any publishers listening, I'll change my ways for you, honey. <laughs>
0: I'll
1: be your little submissive.
0: <laughs> here's what I do I hate marketing I actually really do gen- I was just talking to my friend Colin from queer cosmos about how much we both just do not like marketing I like to say something marketed right there yeah right I, <laughs> like I'll say something once and I'll be fine about it but marketing is really saying the same thing over and over like dozens of times so that people uh. hear it. which is I find arduous and annoying and so I as I'm marketing I like genuinely fantasize about the future assistant I'll have who will do all this for me um, you know what I mean and it's like it's. I want see I'm only offering these things because I want the Add a Positivity project to keep rooting in and connected to people but I also like recognize you're only going to do what you're going to do and like it, and honestly the best thing you can do as a creator is to just be so good they can't take their eyes off you so people like seek you out and they go to addapositivity.com and they like buy the calendar support you get on the Patreon even two bucks a month like help sustain the things you want to win right in life
1: So, yeah, it, I, I do, I say, I hate that stuff and I do, but I constantly now find myself doing things I would not have done years ago. Repetition is one thing because I am, again, I'm a recovering southerner. I'm conscious of, am I being a drag, you know? Um, but, uh, one thing I have found through covid when i've stopped shooting and you know i i didn't think i would have to slow down add a positivity updates on the website but i have that people are still support that patreon patrons have not diminished at all and i've got you know new very generous supporters and um i february every hump day in february i have a a really good giveaway for patreon patrons and Mm -hmm um so i am when people push me or um you know i i do like s- some of this giveaway stuff was given to me so uh they said i know you like to do giveaways so give give the all these um vibrators away you know why don't you I, like, I
0: will oh my god that's great that's a brilliant way to support you is to send you stuff that you can give away on your thing i've been doing little like um low-key covert like video swaps with people so i'll send them my aerobics video and they send me theirs or like a code or whatever so i can like keep adding more value to my membership Mm -hmm. Uh, because i just want to be a good place to help support people's self-care so this is brilliant i love that this is something see listen out there people who like substantial if you have things she can give away to (laughs) patreon
1: um and And it's like yeah it's it's very very little commitment from you but really good gifts and every valentine series i do hear from people who say i know what your aim is but it makes me feel bad because i'm single or it's not really in the cards for me so i figure uh clitoral stimulators that's for everybody (laughs) it's even better if you don't have a partner bugging you, you know, or wanting to use it on you. But, um, so I've got, you know, four satisfier pro to clitoral stimulators to give away and a couple of great new books, um, about sex, sexy times. And so, yeah, you don't have to be in a couple to appreciate adipositivity's February offerings.
0: I think it's actually for me it was very vital when I was single I was like look at all these fat people who are in love and partnered and connected yeah. at least enough to take naked pictures together yes um, which is a big deal
1: <laughs> it might be even more interesting this year when you look at uh, all of them and wonder if they're still together <laughs>
0: I'm gonna say, you are, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just say this. You have my consent. Don't
1: to- say I'm a relationship killer, please.
0: No, I don't think you are. I'll say you have my consent to use any of my pictures you haven't used yet, just simply because I don't care. You know what I mean? Like I, I was with her for as long as I was. I still own that, and I don't. I I just like showing people what's possible, right? And I don't think. I honestly don't think having a relationship for six years is a failure just because it ends. I think oh, almost a success no. that we walked away from each other. And I'm doing so great. So
1: <laughs> you learn things uh, about what you want, what you don't want. You learn things about being in a relationship. No relationship is, is a failure. No. Um, I'm not a person who thinks we're meant to be monogamous forever. So I've never felt, um, you know, that, oh, something's wrong with me. My like relationship, it, it's things often just run their course or, or have been overlooked or, you grow in a different direction than your partner does, but you're both growing. It's a good thing. Just, you're going to do it separately now.
0: Yeah. And I think there's like a lot to, anyway, I just think it's, that's not something I thought, right? Like I'll say at 42, I think differently about relationships, not being a failure. But when I was like 35, I definitely thought a relationship ending that you said was going to be forever was a failure. So you can change, change your perspective and it makes life, easier
1: <laughs> you, can, you can and that's not to negate or um or minimize the pain and the anguish of the end of a relationship no matter what and I'm a person who believes that breaking up with someone is more heartbreaking than being broken up with um you can discuss people argue with me but I think it's a lot more painful because you have to also deal with the anguish of I've hurt someone and also questioning yourself did I do the right thing and I'm famous I'm famous for getting back together with somebody immediately because you know I always have fallen for that you know oh baby please no Mm -hmm. and um not for any logical reason it's always and it really is just prolonging the inevitable and um but you know i'm a dumbass i mean I, you know i'm a full-out dumbass so i'll cop to that um and i'm trying not to fall for that stuff anymore uh
0: that's hilarious um uh, okay so stanza quick question what is your astrology sign Oh. <laughs> I can't believe it,
1: okay are you is that a serious question
0: I genuinely want to know and I know many of my listeners want to.
1: okay uh I'm a Pisces I see I was born March 1st and I I would think I was born at like 228 a.m and coincidentally this was a a leap year so I missed being a leap day baby by just a couple of hours. So I would be a quarter of my age now had I been born a couple of hours earlier.
0: Um, and where were you born?
1: Uh, Hampton, Virginia.
0: Hampton, Virginia. I am
1: definitely. Yeah, wait, this is, this is good. The name of the hospital, Dixie Hospital. Wow. How that's how old, <laughs> that's how old I am, A. And when people say Virginia isn't the South, I say, Excuse me, it is below the Mason-Dixon line, mm-hmm. and I was born in Dixie Hospital.
0: What year were you born, just so I can do your chart?
1: 60, 19, I I'm born in 1960, I'm 60 years old.
0: I have to say, I am still, uh, like you told me that you were about to turn 60 at the beginning of this, before I even started recording, and I was like, oh my God, I just always thought you were like 10 years older than me, which- I'm about
1: to turn 61.
0: About to turn 61. About to turn and I
1: feel, and you know what? It's so weird. I did get, I'm, I work so hard on being okay with the age thing. I might seem like it's effortless, but it's not effortless. It's hard because ageism is so prevalent, so accepted. Even people who love me, people I love are so fucking ageist. And this is like a, the biggest thing that annoys me in our culture is that people believe for some reason they can pick and choose which bigotries they fight earnestly against Mm -hmm. and which bigotries they embrace and practice and that's not the meaning of equality equality is equality you can't say these these groups are equal, these are not. So um, I am, you know, I'm a target of ageism every day of my life. I have to push back against it. Meanwhile, I'm dealing with the, the body of a 60-year-old where things start to turn brown and fall off. <laughs> That's a product of aging. But, but let me tell you, the upside is significant because... You indeed do stop giving a fuck what people, what petty people think of you. You really do. Um, you know, if you pass a group of people laughing, I've always been like, I, I err on the side of they're not laughing at me. Um, but it, today, if you do, you think, I don't care if they're <laughs> laughing at me. Um, you, you know, you realize you've worked all your life on yourself and being a good person so anybody who doesn't appreciate that that's their issue you really do embrace that as an older person and what's weird is i turned 60 at the beginning of the pandemic and i had big plans that 60 is a milestone Mm -hmm. i had a big uh shoulder piece I was getting, i had been waiting. I was going to get it on my 60th birthday. Didn't happen. I was going to visit New Orleans for the first time. Didn't happen. Um, But now I've got, I'm celebrating another, another birthday during the pandemic. So none of that's going to happen. But for some reason, I'm thinking 61, that's a sexy age. I can't stop thinking that, you know, 60, and it's all relative. I used to, I used to hang out in this bar where the bar owner was eight years older than I am. And every year there'd be a little birthday, something, some celebration in this bar for me. And every year he would say, how old are you? And I would tell him, and because he was eight years older, he would always say, oh, that's the perfect age. You know, like, oh, 35. That's the perfect. Oh, oh, 40. That's the perfect age and he you know another uh, unwitting lesson that was taught to me this you know this guy had no idea what he was doing for me telling me that that everything is relative including age and the upside yes your your breasts are completely different at age 60 but man the upside is well worth the psyche breasts well worth it
0: You know, I have to say it might've been a favor to me that my body had saggy breasts to start. (laughs) I never knew, I never knew a life with a perky breast. And so like, maybe like, I don't know, everything changes and everything is relative. And I have to say, like, I think you're killing it because you are living an age defiant lifestyle, which I think not a lot of people embrace, but like you you do what you love, you do what's coming through you, you live true to yourself. And I think that preserves you. Like I see people who are living really aligned and they don't age, like not visibly anyway. You know, like and you know, of course I think dyeing your hair helps too. Um, but like
1: Me. Yeah. 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 I mean that's a that's another step that's coming. I tell myself when it gets whiter I want it to be white because I have plans mm-hmm. I'm going to go natural but I'm going to dye big chunks of primary colors oh, nice. that, the palette has to be white and it's I'm not nearly there it's like I started going prematurely gray and then it just stopped progressing wow. um but uh, but wait something you just said made me um oh I was about uh, you know people showing you how to age there's a a less than great movie on cable right now with Catherine Deneuve and I was watching it and I determined early on there's this is a nothing movie but I cannot take my eyes off of that fucking woman because I don't know how old she was in the movie it's recent a recent movie And this is a woman whose career was built on her appearance. And she is uh, a lot heavier than she was in her prime. She's, I don't think had any work or not much. And you cannot take your eyes off of her. And I watched the whole movie just to watch her move and speak and smoke cigarettes for God's sake. I mean, if anything ages you faster than that. But it was was such a lesson in how you can be, even if you have lived in a world of Western beauty ideals and been uh, the darling of Western beauty ideals and built your universe on those ideals, you can still age gracefully um and that's what i'm i'm trying to do you know and it's it's tricky but i hope i'm managing it and wait till i wait till i get the white hair thing oh my god that's gonna be it's gonna be great and the tattoo it's coming
0: and the tattoo what's the tattoo gonna be of
1: um it is uh gonna be huge open ivy vines Ooh. Um, like, you know, it'll creep into here and down and on my back, but they're going to be little words in there that you can't see unless you're right up on me, because I feel like I give so much of myself um, publicly, and this will be a private little thing that's only for people that I love enough to have them nuzzle my neck and and read these words. So, you know, you can, you'd never be able to know. And that's the way I like it. I, you know, I need to focus more on things that are just for me and just for my, my in real life people.
0: Uh, That's good. Good boundaries. Good self-care. Substantia, you're a legend. I love you. I'm so glad you're in this world. I'm so glad to just keep creating in a world where you're creating and I just can't wait to see what continues to unfold for you and like also I can't wait to see you in real life and hug you during the roaring 20s during our renaissance
1: no I know yeah this has been big fat fun thank you for asking me Bevan I adore you and uh wow we are um we are a couple of Uh, dot 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 i don't really have the word but uh maybe i shouldn't set us up like that (laughs) um workhorses i don't know we are we've been through it yeah and we're still fucking here
0: yeah and we keep going and And we keep going and serving who we're meant to serve i think is really the answer and our best it's so good um so yay so all the ways to connect with substantial, I'll put in the notes below uh wherever you found this episode, be it YouTube, be it on the audio podcast, but at a a positivity on Instagram or Facebook, somehow get on your email list, patreon.com slash adapositivity. Uh support the work that you want to see continue in the world. Um, I love the stuffing out of you. Thanks for being in the world, Substantia.
1: Thank you, Bevan.
0: Yay.